0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. Well, thank you.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to our UFC 270 post show. I am John Pollock, joined by Phil Chertok, coming off two championship fights with the UFC's very first pay-per-view of the year, as they gave a 7499 gift to all of their ESPN plus subscribers that opted to Jump in on the price increase, which which I can say as a consumer that bought this pay-per-view, uh, I got it for a cool sixty five on my cable provider phil oh
2: that's 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 uh, great to hear. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm glad you were able to get a discount unlike uh, our American friends. Uh, I guess they haven't raised the prices here yet uh, in due time, I'm sure.
1: That's nice. I, I don't have to sign up for a service just to be able to spend the uh, the 75, so that, that, that's nice as well. But we are not here to talk about uh, price increases. Well, maybe we are. Maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about it a little later on. But we are going to be tackling UFC 270 tonight, featuring two championship fights. And in fact, we did get 10 rounds of action, an incredible fight, and then... We had the heavyweight championship fight. That I'm not gonna say Phil was was a bad fight, but it, it had its uh it's had it had its um dramatic moments. It also had uh some moments where just nothing was happening, but I think there was still a, a certain compelling nature given the uh the stakes that were involved in the fight.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh as uh the audience will hear when you go through your play by play. Uh, it uh, yeah, it was certainly lacking in action at points, but it was captivating because it was, it was close, a close fight, it was close, and it, the, it, it came down to the wire. So,
1: well, we're gonna get right into things with uh, Francis and Ganu and Cyril Gan, which was. You know, it, it, this was carrying this pay-per-view. I mean, as we go through this, uh, this was not exactly a, a star-studded affair. So really, I think your interest was largely concentrated in this championship fight, which did have plenty of story and interest going into it. A lot of it focused on Nganu, Phil. And we talked a little bit about this on the uh, on the news update on Friday, that uh, with, with Nganou, uh, so much of the status of his contract and his future was the attention. Leading into this fight, and it was interesting to see how much he uh, publicity he received over the last couple of days, appearing on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. There was a big profile on him in The New York Times, um, on top of just the regular ESPN coverage, but some some non-traditional outlets focusing on Ngannou heading into this one.
2: Yeah. Uh, the Daily Show appearance uh, you mentioned, uh, I, I saw that. I didn't read the New York Times piece. I mean, I've, I, I i know the Nganu story. We've been told it plenty of times. I'm sure there was probably something insightful in there nonetheless. Um, but he he presents himself very well in these scenarios. Like, he, like that Daily Show appearance, it, it wasn't a typical athlete appearance. It was... He could be a statesman, you know, at a different point in his life. He he just he just presents himself very well. He communicates his ideals very well, and um, he's charming, engaging, and uh, I can understand uh, why he's you know beginning to get more and more appeal outside of fighting.
1: And the fighter pay issue is—I'm not going to say it's a mainstream sports issue, but it seems to be like when Trevor Noah is diving into that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I—I I think it really does tell you that this is not just a story that exists within the MMA media. It is—it mm-hmm. has is gone beyond that when you're seeing big outlets that are covering this, and you're—you're you're seeing someone that's very well spoken in Francis and to kind of outline this and you know speak about. You know, in the the interview with Trevor Noah, it was not just himself that he is looking at, but the fighters at the bottom rung of the UFC totem pole.
2: Yeah. And the sports and the media, you know, they go hand in hand and we're used to seeing top level athletes make millions and millions of dollars. And, you know, sometimes we can ridicule that idea because It's quote unquote, they're getting paid to play a game. But it is strange when the heavyweight champion of the world is only making a six figure payday. And uh, so and, you know, entertainers who are also highly paid individuals, they take notice and they want to, you know, raise the bar for everyone. They want a level of, I guess, equity. I don't know if that's necessarily the right word, but uh, people start to take notice. I mean, you know, you have Conor McGregor, of course, who's, you know, at the top of Forbes. But they're not all Conor McGregor's. And uh, as you mentioned, it's coming to light. It's becoming more mainstream. And UFC is a public company. They're under more scrutiny. Well, their parent company is a public company. So I think it's just going to be something that they continue to have to address in some fashion or another.
1: Yeah. And just the final thing on that is that it it was a big focus of this fight because going into this, um, you know, based on the reporting that is out there, that if francis ngannou were to have lost tonight's fight it would have signaled the end of his ufc contract whereas a victory would trigger the champion's clause uh, however it's it's been stated by ngannou's side that there is a there's a termination date on his contract that that once it hits 5 years regardless of whether he is champion or not the the contract is is done with but that clause does not come to an end until about a year from now. So I would definitely encourage people to uh, check out uh, John Nash's latest uh, feature that he wrote at bloodyelbow.com going he has spoken to a lot of managers and getting a sense of some of the newer language in UFC contracts that have somewhat evolved and if you're interested in a lot of how the the pay-per-view, Payoffs work for champions. Uh, those details are in there. It's it's a really informative uh, article that I know you got a chance to to read as well, Phil. But that I, I think this this fight it it carried significant weight in if you are following a lot of the fighter pay issue and what Francis Ngannou was going to be doing after this fight. So he wins this fight, and in in theory now he is he still owes a fight, but there is. It's not just in perpetuity. Like This contract does have an end date, and you could have a scenario, in theory, where your UFC heavyweight champion is no longer contractually obligated to you.
2: Yeah, it's very intriguing. Um, One thing to note is that uh, in his end-of-year interview with Brett Akamoto, and I've heard him repeat this multiple times when asked about the Francis Ngannou contract, Dana White sort of had this coy answer like, oh yeah, if he loses, he's free, but if he wins, I think he's got... One more on, you know, and you know, the, the UFC has a history of like engaging in prolonged legal battles with fighters. And even if the c- contract is super clear that Nganu is free, the amount of time and financial resources required to you know make that happen is uh, is a significant advantage for the UFC. So the next 12 months it's gonna be very interesting to see how uh, these negotiations play out
1: so we go into the fight and the most uh, noticeable thing first of all was uh, two knee braces that Nganu was uh, sporting going into this and I guess there had been uh, rumors going around about a potential knee injury that Uh, Nganu was suffering from and he confirmed this after the fight noting that three weeks ago he completely tore his MCL while also injuring his ACL so you you have that to look in the the immediate future for Nganu as well that this guy is going to um, have to be dealing with a significant knee injury uh, coming out of this Um, were you surprised at all um, given given this knowledge of kind of the game plan we saw from Francis Ganu that I think if you closed your eyes and envisioned this fight, this is not the Francis Ganu playbook you would have been uh, subscribing to that we would see play itself out over five rounds.
2: Um, I think, it, I mean, was it the game plan or did it the game plan the- get adjusted mid, mid fight, right? Like I'm sure, you know, he, clearly wrestling is part of the training and they want to mix it up, but there wasn't really any attempt until it just sort of presented himself itself and then when the wrestling was there he took advantage of it
1: well the the first round was an extremely close round uh francis was going to the body and kind of closing distance to try and throw his power at at gone uh you did see him go for a takedown in this opening round but it was primarily uh just these two on their feet while gone was uh Clinching on the fence with him. Uh, this was a close round. How did how did you go with with the first round? I
2: gave it to Gon just because he kept the distance and he used his jab effectively. There was uh, two body shots. One that Gon looked like he complained was maybe a groin strike, but mm-hmm. other than that, it just seemed like it was. This was exactly the type of fight Gon wanted, and he was effective. And also, Gon had a uh, portion of this round where he controlled in ganu against the cage and was just in tr- trying to clinch with him draw you know wear him out a little bit and so i just found thought he was more effective
1: the the second round was a very clear round for for gone he was just circling working from that side stance threw a spinning wheel kick at one point and dude and ganu looked so tired in this round he just like his mouth is open it was not looking good in the second round uh I was—I don't really follow the uh, the the infight betting odds swinging, but my God, that visual Francis and Ganu—I'm selling, I'm selling, Phil. I was not <laughs> too optimistic about Ngannou's, uh chances here, but turn things around. So in on uh, most people's cards, I think had gone up two nothing going into the third round, and then all of a sudden, Gone throws a kick, and and Ganu catches the leg and just slams him down. That Daniel Cormier compares to Big Van Vader. And and Ghanu gets to his back. And then for uh, in in the Thug Rose Hall of Fame of Daniel Cormier calls, oh, my God, Francis is doing (laughs) jujitsu was the line of the night from Daniel Cormier. And and Ghanu is just working here. Gon gets up, landed a spinning elbow, and then it's Ngannou with another takedown. And Gon has not been a fighter that has been all that easy to take down. And Gon was able to take him down at at will, various points uh, of this fight. So, Ngannou gets on the board here, winning the third round, the fourth round, uh, and Gon goes back to the the same game plan, taking Gon down. Gon would try to get up, force back down into half guard. And then you see uh, Gon against the cage, and Uh, gets a knee to the chest from Ngannou who's controlling the wrist and just delivering strikes. So uh, Ngannou really turned things around in a big way in rounds 3 and 4. So you, on most cards I think, had it even going into round 5. That's how I had it. 5th round. Uh, I cannot say this was the most dynamic round in the world. Gon goes for a single leg takedown and he moves to half guard. He gets the takedown, but then Gon just has some kind of slip-up, and Nganou reverses and gets right on top of him. Gon gets one more attempt here when he gets a leg lock, but Nganu is able to escape that, getting back into half guard. And for the rest of the round, he just pretty much stayed on top of Gon. There was very little here that I thought this became a very close round because if you want to talk about where were the most threatening moments of this round, they belong to Cyril gone, but there was um he gone. This was not a case where gone was underneath doing a whole lot either. So I, I couldn't give this round to gone, but um it, it was a close fifth round. Nonetheless, I wouldn't say all that great of a round either. And we go to the judges scorecards and they scored 49, 46 and two judges scoring at 48, 47, For Francis Ngannou, who retains the heavyweight championship by unanimous decision,
2: I scored the fifth for Gon. I I thought he—I can see that he landed strikes. He had the first minute; he was the one landing. He—he knew he had to be more aggressive. He was hitting that jab. Then he went for the takedown, which I thought was brilliant. It looked like he was going to ride out the round on top. Ngannou created enough space to change the position, and Gon—what he should have done was just go back to standing and he fell to his back to go I, for the heel hook. A- yeah, he what went thing? for a heel hook and it, and fell to his back and it, he never had it enough to finish it and that 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 was it. That was the that's the moment, the big moment. He could have won that fight had he just, you know. Obviously staying on top isn't easy, but he shouldn't have dropped back for that submission. But hey, Listy went for the win. Like you he was down if you if you're thinking in your head I'm down I need to win this you went for it but it seems so stupid in uh retrospect
1: i, I think that this will be a very frustrating loss for gone cuz i think he had this fight won and i think he just made some critical errors in this fifth round that uh you can certainly uh, mount a case for gone to win this round but at at the same time i don't think you can really have too much anger at gone not getting this round either um, no no so.
2: i don't really get the 49 the the one the i guess somebody gave the first round to Nganu, one of the judges i don't really ha- see how you could give either of those first two rounds to Nganu, but whatever
1: um yeah i mean the the first one was the, the closer of the two but i think most people had the, the first two for for gone so i mean on your card phil i'm assuming you had it 48 47 for gone i did yes that is correct so in Phil's world, the new heavyweight champion of the world is Surreal Gone.
2: Hey, look, this is actually a lot more interesting, right? Because because uh, not that uh, Gon's a bad fighter or not enjoyable to watch, although today was very frustrating. Um, but because you know Francis loses, he's a free agent. He he has he loses all the leverage. Probably resigns with the UFC, and we don't hear too much about fighter pay unless he's able to get back to the title shot. Here. It remains a story that's going to be in the forefront of the media. People are going to continue to talk about it f- until we get a resolution at some point this year. So, um, at least makes things more exciting in the uh, MMA business world.
1: Well, it's going to be an interesting test as well for fans because if if you are looking at a prolonged like battle between the UFC and Ngannou, where Ngannou and put aside the knee injury that. He's not going to want to fight this year under these terms. Like he has every right to, he can turn down fights that are offered to him. If he is, he has stated, I am not fighting at this current amount that I am being paid. Are fans going to be sympathetic to that? Or are they going to be looking at, we want to see these fights. We want to move on with this division. Like how much is the fighter pay? Like the fighter pay story. It's like fans. It's, it's great for them. Like the mm-hmm. UFC has so much control. They can make any fights that they want. They have such a heavy concentration of all the fighters. And once the fighters have more leverage and more power, um, that, that makes it more complicated to put some of these fights together. So it's an interesting, uh, predicament you put fans in of like, where, where do their sympathies lie towards the promoter or towards Francis and Gangu for instance.
2: I don't think their sympathies lie in either place. Their sympathies lie with I want to see John Jones and Francis Anganu who's well, not if- who's not making it happen. They're responsible, right? So it becomes the story of is it you know is it Francis being unreasonable with his demands or which I think is gaining more traction is the story is like I'm the heavyweight champion of the world and I'm getting paid six figures up front. Come on. So I think now, what does that matter in the end? I don't think so because as you point out, you know, the UFC has all the power. So even if the fans really want that fight, if the demands are too out there for the UFC, they're just not going to do it. So,
1: I mean, we've already seen the dress rehearsal for this is that John Jones, it's like he's been ready and he said, I want to fight at a certain level. And it's not like there's been this fan outcry that th- they have not met John Jones' demands to have this fight with Angon. Yes, it's just the yes. division moves on on to the next. That's thing. right.
2: And- now there is something to be said about you know if a fighter can time it right, they can maximize their opportunity. We've seen this with Nate Diaz when he when they got that BMF fight. We saw it with Jorge Masvidal when he got the Usman um, the first fight, right on short right. notice, but got the money one. So, if there really is demand for the fight, fighters c- can work it in their favor somewhat. But yeah, on the whole, if if like I don't think the UFC is going to bend to the boxing demand. It seems like they went down that path. They're not going to do it again. And and so if. if 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 they're not they don't want to bend to it so they just won't and they'll let it die
1: i think well it's like that's that's kind of the calculus of it it's that if you if you publicly give to the demands of an nganu you have every other champion knocking on your door that are going to be pushing for the same things and you know it's just historically these types of battles um the UFC has a pretty good win-loss record when it comes to these like showdowns with with top fighters. And they're and they're not even incentivized at the same time when you you've got this ESPN deal where your pay-per-view money is guaranteed every month. You don't have the same incentive to make sure that your top fighters are fighting on a regular basis. Like the train moves on and they they did so last year when or during the pandemic when conor mcgregor wanted to fight and they were just hey we'll wait till fans are back john jones it's like are they hurting without john jones it's like they have just built themselves into this amazing cushion where if a francis wants to sit out he'll sit out and we'll we'll just bring this interim title back again
2: Mm mm-hmm I do think, though, that there is, you know, the, the the business ebbs and flows, right? There's times where it's super hot and you have a lot of draws, and and that's right now. It's, I mean, it's hotter than it's ever been. Um, but if there's a scenario where it's not drawing as well, and the fact that it is a, you know, there's shareholders who are pressuring, uh, you know, that that sometimes creates scenarios where the UFC does things differently, but that doesn't seem like that's going to be emerging anytime soon. So yeah, if they don't, if the, if the price is too high, they will just ice whoever it is.
1: Last question before we move on to the rest of the card. Does Francis Ngannou fight again this year?
2: No, I don't think he fights again this year, but I think he resigns with the UFC.
1: Okay. Brandon Moreno and Davison Figueredo for the UFC flyweight championship was next. Uh, Their third fight in the past 13 months, uh, they went the full five rounds here. This was a tremendous fight. Uh, we started things off, a um, lot of clinch work early on. And Moreno, at one point, he is knocked off balance. And from his knees, he is able to land this right hand on Figueredo. And Figueredo gets a takedown, but Moreno just scrambles right to his feet, Um Into the second we go, Uh, Figueiredo is going for the single leg right away that Moreno is avoiding, and Moreno is just displaying a ton of confidence here. But Figueiredo is starting to rack up leg kicks onto Moreno, which would uh, prove very important later in the fight. Uh, Moreno is landing with his left hand, wobbles him on one of them, and Figueiredo himself is returning fire with several power strikes. Uh, After two rounds, what was your scorecard, Phil? I'm curious. Uh
2: I had it 1-1. I gave uh, round 1 to Figueredo and round 2 to Moreno.
1: The third round, um, saw a big round I thought for for Figueredo. There are is a left hand that lands and Moreno just rolls back from it. And then he knocks Moreno off balance with a leg kick, but Moreno comes back big combination. There's a head kick that lands later in the round. And then Figueredo drops him right at the end of the round and goes for a guillotine, but the round expires Uh solid ending here for Figueredo. I thought a enough to uh, win, win the round. Uh, yeah, I thought so as well. So then we go to the championship rounds. Uh, Moreno, th- there was a slower output from each in the fourth. Uh is just clinching against the fence. Um, this was just, it-, it was a very, very hard round to score. I think you could have gone either way on the fourth. And then in the fifth, uh, Moreno got this big body lock takedown, uh, but it was somewhat deflating because uh, Figueredo just got right back up from this. Figueredo tags and drops them briefly. There's several big right hands from Figueredo in the final minute, but Moreno is returning with these big bombs. This was a crazy finish to this fight. Uh, so I had Figueredo winning the fifth round and I had it 48, 47 for Brandon Moreno, but I, I, I seriously feel when this five rounds was over, I could envision so many different scenarios of where the scores could go. And, uh, Figueredo absolutely could have won several more of these rounds it was just it was a very close very competitive fight and I think the only thing people were in agreement afterwards was the demand for a fourth fight between these two that (laughs) I don't think these two have overstayed their welcome yet. Uh, I mean, who, uh, especially after the
2: uh, main event, <laughs> I mean, he, he, I, I'll take this all day. Um,
1: you don't want three more fights between Ngannou and Gon? Uh,
2: no, it's not 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 for a while. Uh, I do have to give a, a shout out uh, to somebody in the chat here, Owen York. When when uh, in response to Will uh, Francis fight again this year, he say his response was. was I'd say he's gone till November. So, I, I think that was that was a good one. Um but back to Moreno versus Figueredo. Um uh I gave the fight to Moreno. So, I gave Figueredo 1 and 3 and then the 5th round I was really on the fence about on I was really on the fence for is really close. It was that last flurry at the end. I, I, I wasn't sh- quite sure who got the better of it. It seemed like it was Moreno. Maybe I was swayed by the commentary a little bit. Um, but I think f- picking Figueredo in that spot is perfectly fine. So no problem with the decision. But I did score it for Moreno, giving him two, four, and five.
1: Yeah. It was a 48, 47 from all three judges. I was actually amazed that they were able to all be in in agreement here because I I thought it was, this was like, to be fair, like a really tough fight to, to, it was was just such close rounds at different points. And like the third where, I mean, it was going Moreno's way and like how much weight you put into just those final 30 seconds. But to me, um, that was enough here. I'm just looking at the the scorecards here. So, um, the three judges, all three gave Figueredo the, fir- the first round. All three of them gave Moreno the second round. All three of them gave Figueredo the third, and then they, they did differ on round four. One of them gave it to Moreno, and the last round, two of them gave it to Moreno. One gave it to Figueroa. So it seemed really? that the four, four and five, is where things uh, kind interesting. Uh, where was where the disagreements were? So. Mm-hmm um yeah there you go so
2: five i can see but i thought four was pretty straightforward it seemed like moreno need knew he needed to win these rounds but it was still close like everything was close in this fight it was very close very competitive you know anytime somebody landed a shot the other one would try to answer back uh very very fun fight
1: and you do have uh askar askarov and Kara france that are supposed to be fighting in march um do you see them kind of taking a bit of a break uh, from from these these two for the time no, being? They-
2: no, no, gonna- no! What are you talking I- about? This, do you, what pot? Do you hear the pop Moreno got that they want to replicate that as much as possible? You know, we were, well, they were throwing we were the saying-
1: idea of doing the fourth fight in Mexico, and I I don't think you're going to get many complaints if you just no. go right back to this. I guess it's just um um you would maybe have to ask askarov if he <laughs> is okay with that or uh kaikara France, but uh-uh. uh, they're they're not fighting on march 26th anyway so yeah um may, hey, maybe uh, they're just gonna go right back to this fourth fight it's like it's the only fight i think people are really salivating for in this weight class um so i mean i don't think you'll get too many complaints if they do it a fourth time although i heard plenty of complaints when they announced this this third fight so anyway, people are fickle. That's what I'm trying to get. To,
2: get Look, at. you put it on a, a, the right card. Uh, you know, you know, we said on uh Friday that they can't headline a pay-per-view, but maybe they can headline a pay-per-view, not alone, but you put another fight on there in uh you know, um, champ some other champ who's sort of like odd as uh I guess it's sort of like the least luster of all the champs, but anyway, I think it Maybe a good co-main event. It could. I think it could be a pay-per-view, but uh, certainly should headline something.
1: So those are the two big fights. Okay, that's that's what you came to watch <laughs> if you were ordering UFC 270. So we will quickly go through the rest of this this card. Which, to be fair, you got some really good performances on this undercard. This was hardly um, a, a poor show by by any stretch. Uh, Michelle Pereira defeating. Andre Fiallo by unanimous decision. Uh, first round was a uh, Fialo's round. And then um, the wheels just fell off <laughs> in the second round. Uh, Pereira woke up. This was not, uh, th- this was semi wild Pereira, but not to the extent where you're watching and you're just screaming at what is this guy doing uh, where he is often just like blown himself up. Uh, just, just getting to the cage, much less the actual fight. But um, he was just dominant in the second round sliced open Fialo's, uh, uh eyebrow just above the the left eye and going into the third it was just a better pace put forward by by Pereira using his jabs mixing up his strikes a lot it just seemed Fiala was um just much more diminished after that first round uh there was a groin strike and then they ended with a big exchange at the end so I had a Pereira winning this 29 28 as did all three judges
2: as did I I think uh Pereira what really turned the tide for him was that that body kick you know he had a cup he had a he would do a sort of like a, a round kick to the body and he also had this very effective front kick to the body that where he dig the toes in and i think those just added up over time and allowed him to uh take over
1: four wins in a row for uh pereira it would be yeah. five but he was disqualified against diego sanchez for that illegal knee
2: yeah and a very exciting fighter uh, um he was this was supposed to be a ranked fight so uh, I definitely think he's going to get a uh, more notable name next time he steps in there.
1: Then we went to uh, Cody Stamen and Syed Nurmagomedov, the cousin of uh, Khabib. This is taking place at 135 pounds with our referee, Frank Trigg. And there was a spinning backfist. And it's followed by a spin kick by Nirmaga Madov. And he is just looking so loose in there. There's this attempt to at, at a hip toss that doesn't quite land. But the position that Nirmaga Madov gets after trying for this toss is he just clamps on this guillotine that is so tight. Stamen is tapping before he even reaches uh, the canvas, and he submits in 47 seconds that they noted was the third fastest submission in UFC history and the first fight for Nurmagomedov since October of 2020. So um, there was some crazy prop bet of Nurmagomedov getting a first-round finish. It was like plus 700 to uh, achieve this. So for anyone that that took that... That prop
2: um not as call. good not as good as in by decision which it was what a plus 1200
1: oh my goodness t- plus <laughs> 1200 well oh my I, I, I would not have been going that direction for for in <laughs> uh, path to victory um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah um the, the thing we're gonna say is like a lot of these pay-per-view cards like we'll talk about like the winners and kind of where they are in like the overall weight class picture like how many fights like these fighters are so far away from championships that it's just like, there's such a dramatic drop-off, but I yeah. mean, Nurmagomedov looked great here. And Cody Stamen, like he's, a yeah, he's a
2: legit fighter. fighter and he's, you know, you look at his losses, they're against extremely elite fighters. So it's kind of like no shame um, in, in that. So it definitely sets up uh, Nurmagomedov as someone to keep an eye on in an already stacked bantamweight division. But to your point, This isn't somebody who we're looking to put in a ranked fight uh, right away.
1: Trevin Giles and Michael Morales uh, opened up the pay-per-view. And uh, we just had uh, Michael Morales, who was a a late replacement here. He's 22 years old, uh, originally from Ecuador. And he had some – Giles was having some success early. He was also making his uh, welterweight debut here. Giles has fought uh, at light heavyweight and middleweight and was coming off uh, a loss, a knockout loss, at UFC 264 last July. So, Morales just catches Giles with this right counter, follows with this short uppercut, and then another one drops Giles, and he is on top of him with this huge barrage of strikes, and referee Mike Beltran stopped it at 4.06 of the first round. So, Morales wins by TKO, improves to 13-0 and uh, in this UFC debut. So... Um, I would say someone to watch. Uh that is that's is the most most I can say for uh this debuting fighter on this pay-per-view card.
2: Yeah, young beat somebody with what 9 8 UFC fights. It's an impressive way to 7 enter. fights for
1: Giles in the in the yeah. UFC prior to this.
2: Yes. Yeah, so so pretty impressive way to to set things off and yeah, somebody to look forward to in the future.
1: Uh prelims <laughs> saw Howney Barcelos taking on Victor Henry Uh, Victor Henry cornered by Josh Barnett uh, just came out and looked fantastic in the, in this fight. This was like a really excellent fight. Um, I had uh, Henry winning all three rounds here as did all three of the judges. Um, This was just, you know, Rodriguez was very fast on his feet and. Had a response for everything that Barcelos threw at him, and he was able to just time out Barcelos. I thought pretty effectively. And while the thirty twenty seven wouldn't suggest a um, like, it was a very close fight. Even though I had Rodri uh, Henry winning all three of these rounds.
2: Yeah, I had it the same way. He controlled the action. It was competitive. Um, Barcelos was happy to engage in a firefight, and often uh, would land. But on the whole, Henry was just sharper, took less damage, and uh, deserved the victory.
1: Mm-hmm. And he said that years ago, he met Joe Rogan in a elevator, and it was a huge moment for him to be interviewed by by Joe Rogan here. And Joe Rogan obviously did not remember this meeting years and years ago in an elevator.
2: No, but that's you know that's pretty cool to imagine somebody you know you're 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 trying to come up as a fighter and you just encounter somebody who's like an icon in the sport. And, you know, the moment so many fighters talk about, they're just looking for that moment where Joe Rogan is interviewing them in the octagon and then actually achieve it, you know, come full circle. It's cool.
1: Yeah. And you're going to see, we already, we already see tons of that now where you've got a generation of fighters that not have, not only growing up, listening to Joe Rogan on UFC broadcast, but it's like, they were probably young teenagers listening to his podcasts. like that's like the whole wave of fighters coming in now. like this is like a huge deal for them now, um not just the UFC commentator, but this um this major figure absolutely. Jack della Madalena versus Pete Rodriguez. Uh, Madalena is from uh, Western Australia, and dude, this guy was very impressive. a minus three seventy five favorite. this is taking place at one hundred and seventy pounds. Madalena is just jabbing this guy to death. His face is just (laughs) continually getting redder and redder. It's just full of blood, and he's switching stances. Dude, God bless Pete Rodriguez, but he didn't know what was coming his way, and he swings and totally misses. Madalena just plants his feet and rocks this dude with a left hand and drops him finishes him with several follow-up strikes and he gets the TKO victory at two minutes, 59 seconds of the first round. Um, This guy's 25 years old. Um, He's coming off the contender series. Again, you're looking at prospects at at this point when we're talking about someone making his UFC debut, but uh, I was very impressed with this debut from Jack Della Maddalena.
2: Yeah. The level of competition obviously was not extremely high, but what he did in there he executed very well and uh the finishing sequence was very tremendous he did sort of like this step back that lured rodriguez in and he was so far out of distance then then he just stepped in with the left that dropped him uh sort of reminiscent of old school mcgregor actually um a very brutal finish
1: phil Chertok compares jack della madalena a future connor mcgregor okay that's the headline <laughs> Australia's own. Tony Gravely versus Simon Oliveira. Um, they had a competitive fight here. Uh, Gravely was just the the better wrestler and that, um, pay, paid dividends, uh, throughout this. There was a deep guillotine in the first round by Oliveira that somehow, uh, Gravely outlasted, finally popping his head out. But it was, it was deep. And I, I just, I can't help it. I know that it's such a, uh, <laughs> It's such a thing for Joe Rogan that when there's a submission, it's like th- the end of the world is near. It's like you can't help but be sucked into how deep the submission is. Uh, and then the head popped out. But it did look very deep, oh, right, yeah, no, to, no. To, be, to be fair. Like, this is not one know. of those egregious Joe Rogan calls. But man, he just ups the drama when it's like you see a, a submission and he's responding like, you know, the kitchen's on fire. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, because that's his moment, right? He can't do the wrestling. That's Cormier's world, right? So,
1: uh, yeah, jujitsu. Every, every <laughs> submission is like, it's over. And every groin strike needs to be viewed with skepticism. It's like, you watch the replay. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that did hit. It's like, he is always skeptical of a groin <laughs> strike being legit or the guy's just playing. Anyway, that, that's what you get for uh, calling so many Matt Hughes fights
2: the groin strikes what what is that uh, i'm i'm missing the reference
1: matt matt Hughes had like a pattern i won't i won't say it was like prolonged but you could see ones where it it just uh, said
2: yes 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 for sure
1: yeah it was no like accident yes, 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 yes this please. guy's certainly like milking the system you could you could feel at times needed a little breather at, at mm-hmm. times so anyway uh Gravely uh, pops out and actually does a pretty good job of uh, coming back here. I thought it was enough to uh, to win the round because Oliveira's energy was shot after that guillotine, and Gravely was just um, in superior conditioning here, and it just seemed Oliveira's uh, game plan was, I've got this guillotine, I'm going to go for this guillotine, and he continued it uh, throughout the fight, but Each time it was just diminishing returns. Gravely was able to uh, counter the submissions and then just wrestle Oliveira. Sometimes he'd go for the guillotine and end up putting himself on his back. So when he lost the submission, uh, he was also in a bad, bad position. Uh, Gravely ended up in this uh, fight getting 11 takedowns, uh, continued this into the third round. Um, Yeah, I had a 30-27 for Gravely. That was the scorecards from all three judges. Um, Anything to add on this fight, Phil?
2: Um, no, nothing on that uh fight really. Um there was another fight on the early prelims. Uh oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm,
1: yeah, you, I wanted to get to your main event with Matt Fravola. <laughs> this was the fight I know that you were waiting for. Th- dude, this fight was insane. Um Matt Fravola and Hanaro Valdez fighting at 155 pounds. So for th- this fight just becomes just a fire fight instantly frivola just gets overwhelmed uh he is he he cracks him with a left and there's a guillotine but valdez gets up and he starts throwing and like valdez was like right at the edge of defeat and he gets up and he's landing like he's landing significant shots here in response it's just wild there's knees to the body before provola v- drops valdez with a left hand he ends up Knocking Valdez down six times in this round. Six times he was knocked down. He uh, finally just uh, gets the mount position and finishes him with ground and pound. Uh, Mike Beltran gave them, I I thought, this fight could have ended several knockdowns before. Uh, The reason six knockdowns in a round should not happen is because the fight probably should have ended by like three. So, anyway, uh, it went three minutes and 15 seconds. Frivola wins by TKO. This was a totally insane fight.
2: Yeah, absolutely wild as you uh, tried to describe it, but I don't think it does the chaos justice. Just No. Yeah, back and forth, uh, even though Frivola was the one who was clearly getting the better of the shots. Uh,
1: and he was bouncing back from a seven-second knockout loss to Terrence McKinney uh, last year, so... um that that's quite the rebound to come back with this. So he gets to win uh, his ninth pro victory, and then the early prelims saw uh, Vanessa Demopoulos over Silvana Gomez Juarez by armbar at two twenty-five of the first, and Jasmine Jasdeviches over Kay Hansen by unanimous decision. Did you see either of the uh, Fight Pass fights? Because yeah,
2: I not. yeah, I saw both of them, and uh, they were pretty uh, interesting. Yeah, they were pretty good, actually. Uh, the Gomez uh, Juarez versus Demopolis one was pretty exciting. Gomez lands a huge punch that drops Demopolis immediately, and then Demopolis turns that into an armbar finish off her back. So that was a very exciting way to get things going. And then we saw Jasmine Jazou- uh, of, from
1: Of St. Catharines, Ontario. Ex-
2: yes, exactly. A Canadian prospect. Um, she looked quite good here. She looked really polished and seasoned. Uh, the commentators made a point that you know she's she started training a little bit later in life but uh for a first UFC appearance I thought it was quite stellar.
1: So how about this for an interesting uh the post fight press conference at UFC 270 Uh-oh. Dana White will not be attending. Oh. oh interesting. Interesting. That's very rare. I That's cannot remember rare. the last like pay-per-view where Dana White did not do the uh the press conference afterwards so <laughs> interesting mm-hmm. maybe he was busy maybe he was off to uh watch his advanced screening of jackass forever
2: that's right yes the entire cast they're, in the audience that was, that was they're, quite- they're doing
1: a contest where you can watch the movie you can get an advanced screening with the cast of jackass um and dana white
2: i think didn't these show a clip of like francis and ganu Kicking somebody or punching somebody. Is that part of the movie?
1: Oh yeah, he's in the movie. He was in the pod oh, they
2: played tonight. Oh, very yeah. cool. Uh
1: they also announced uh tonight uh that International Fight Week will feature UFC two seventy six at When the,
2: uh, I say international, you say
1: I'm not I'm not playing along Uh, UFC 276 will be Saturday July the 2nd uh, which is an interesting weekend because when WWE had put out their pay-per-view calendar a few months ago they had announced the same night for Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas Um, Sean Ross Sapp at Fightful has reported that uh, WWE also has a hold on the stadium for the Sunday night so I imagine you would just move money in the bank to the Sunday night. I don't think you want to go ahead, uh, head to head in the same market with um, a big UFC event, which I mean, for July, like you would, you would think like you're shooting to have Connor come back by that. time. Yeah.
2: Uh, Yeah. That, that's, that seems to be what they're lining up for.
1: So that'd be a massive, that'll be a massive weekend. If they have like a big UFC event on Saturday and then WWE just moves to the Sunday night at the, at the (laughs) stadium. That's a, and it's 4th of July weekend.
2: Yeah. And it sounds, you know, they're doing international fight week, multiple days, come out, visit, travel, you know, we're going to pretend like the pandemic's over, or maybe it did will. Did you, be.
1: did you like when they did those, um, those weeks where they did the, the yeah. three straight nights of cards? Cause yeah, I, we were, I, we were, I enjoyed yeah. those.
2: I did too. I, we were talking about that today. I, like, I do think that like, they maybe did went overboard with it. Like I don't know if you necessarily needed to do three fight nights in a row, but having multiple events on the same uh, week, I thought elevated the 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 main one that you were waiting for at the end. There was one where they did a follow up one on the Sunday once. Yeah, I don't know did if not that work. Yeah,
1: it was. It was, uh, was it Stephen Thompson and Johnny Hendricks that they did? And it was. Um... Man, I honest. feel like Good
2: BJ thing. Penn was involved that weekend. Like, oh,
1: I I covered that one. It was yeah, it was BJ Penn in what was going to be his retirement fight. Um, <laughs> that oh was just dude. It was just really depressing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was yeah. I I wasn't a fan of the Sunday night one where it was like everything peaked for the Saturday pay per view, and then you come back the Sunday. It's like a bit of a you know you're, you're ending on a lower note than you should peak with like the biggest event, right? Yeah.
2: I'll tell you, I one thing I do miss that the UFC stopped doing is they stopped doing the Super Bowl, uh, like they would always have a big event on Super Bowl weekend because Vegas is, you know, a lot of gamblers are there. And then when they did the deal with Fox, Fox had the Super Bowl first year and Fox was like, why don't you come do an event? It was in Jersey, I think, or New York. So, like, so the UFC did an event that weekend. Saturday in New Jersey so the same location so there was all this shoulder programming that felt really fun but you know obviously they can't do that because there's not their partner anymore but then they fell off I think it just was it wasn't worth their time because they're competing right they're competing for media attention with the Super Bowl it seems like a waste they don't want to play second fiddle right they have their own Super Bowl
1: Well, that was UFC 271. As of now, they have not reported the bonuses yet, but uh, those will be out. Uh, But just looking ahead, uh, next weekend, no UFC event, but there is Bellator with uh, Valentin Moldovsky and Ryan Bader, which uh, Eric Marcotte will be watching that show, and uh, it will be going on at the same time as the Royal Rumble. What will you be watching, Phil?
2: Um uh the royal rumble is on a saturday eh uh yes. i'm i'm going to be watching i guess the footballs on sunday so that's what i'm watching on sunday i mean maybe i'll watch the royal rumble That's an event i've i've uh watched recently i saw the um
1: the last pay-per-view i thought that one was pretty good who are you uh who are you rooting for in the uh the nfl playoffs
2: um so historically my team is san francisco 49ers they're still in they won tonight uh, but the, they offer me so much misery because they should be losing these games and they're not winning in very impressive fashion. So I'm turning all my attention to the Buffalo Bills, who I are think just...
1: They're the, they're, they're the feel-good team. Everyone's rooting for the Bills. but
2: uh, And they're playing great. They had the number one defense. Last week, they, they had an offensive performance that's insane. And yeah, tomorrow night, they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. This is the game of the week. Firepower galore. This is, this is a fun one. Whoever wins this game is going to the Super Bowl, pretty much.
1: That's your prediction. All right. Well, the UFC will be back in two weeks. They've got a fight night card at the Apex with uh, Jack Hermanson and Sean Strickland. And then the next pay-per-view is only a couple of weeks away. They plugged the main card on tonight's pay-per-view. Uh, it is February 12th at the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. Israel Adesanya defending the middleweight championship against Robert Whitaker. The two top middleweights in the world. Derek Lewis against Tai Tuivasa. Jared Cannonier against Derek Brunson, Kyler Phillips versus Marcelo uh, Rojo, and Bobby Green versus Nasrat Hakparast. Uh makes up your main card. Uh scanning the uh the prelims here. Roxanne Mattaferi against Casey O'Neal. Excellent One of your favorites.
2: Excellent. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be Roxanne's retirement fight. She's confirmed that that will be her last fight, re- uh, regardless of the result. And uh, I like it. It's perfect. It's Casey O'Neal, somebody you want to build up. Roxanne's a name. 2022, the year of O'Neal.
1: Okay, last one here. There's 13 fights scheduled for UFC 271. How many will take place at UFC 271? Oh... Uh... They're, like guaranteed gonna... guaranteed two are falling apart for sure too the question is are there going to be more than two fights that fall off this card no we I got say, two
2: weeks no 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 I, I say no 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 they'll it'll they'll they'll keep it together
1: and all these fights are gonna stay in no three I'll weeks say 11.
2: 11 11 fights stick in fact 12 they find replacements for for people that fall off
1: okay I'll fair say. fair enough fair enough okay mm-hmm. um yeah I would take that i I'll, I'll, I'll go I'll say two fights fall apart. Okay. And they find one replacement. So I'll, okay. uh, no, that's, that's the exact same as what you're saying. So no, I'll, I'll go further. I'll say three fights fall off one replacement.
2: Okay. Will I'm one saying. of those fight? will one of those fights that fall off be the main event and the replacement be Kananir oh. or Brunson? because cause that's uh, what because you know that's why that fight's on well well too. what you do
1: have is backup here and this is not a pay-per-view main event to me but you do have Derek Lewis in Houston so that is probably the uh fr- from a live event perspective that's probably your most valuable piece here beyond the main event but oh, if that main event fell off that would be a very depressing um th- that that I'm really excited for that fight I can't say yeah. the rest of this main card would be um I would be parting with my 65 dollars so easily.
2: Yeah, I mean, there, there's some decent fights. It's a better main card than this one was, um, but it's, again, it's... That's not, not saying a whole lot.
1: No, this no, but
2: it is driven by that main event, that one.
1: Br- Brunson and Cannoneer, that's that's a quality middleweight fight for a division that is desperate for some challengers. And I like the fact that you do have your title fight and your your two top contenders fighting on on the main mm-hmm. card. So uh, you are almost guaranteeing, Phil, that something's going to happen to one of those two fights. <laughs> yeah. Given how, and- given how nicely it works out.
2: And even, and uh, the, you know, I love Bobby Green's been a lot of fun, is always a lot of fun. And he's been, you know, doing well lately. So excited to see
0: him back.
1: You know, and we'll wrap it up after this. Uh, Two fights I'm very much looking forward to. Main events are the following couple of weeks. Uh, Your guy Fizzy against RDA. Yeah. That's a really good fight. That's a huge fight. Banil Benil Dariush and Islam Makachev. the... Yeah, February the twenty sixth happens. Yeah, so those are those I, are excellent main events. Yeah,
2: Makachev making his run. He this so that fight happens, and then he has to. Ta- he's going to take a Ramadan break, and then you know we'll see him end of the summer, early fall, I think, and you know that's going to establish him as the number one guy to get a title shot.
1: Yeah cuz I I imagine Oliveira and Justin Gaethje fight. I mean that that could be a fight for if if you don't have McGregor coming back, I could see Oliveira and Gaethje happening in July. Yeah, if not, I if if not earlier. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, there it sounds like they want to do that for Rio in June. That's what I was uh reading because the May one might be going to Jacksonville. And then I there I heard that they're shopping Rio for June. Um, but there's also Usman uh, versus Edwards out there as well. So maybe that one goes to July. Um, they do want to do that fight as well, is is at least what Ariel was saying. So.
1: Well, there you go, everybody. That is our UFC 270 post show. So thanks to everybody for tuning in live or listening after the fact. Always great to chat with you, Phil, multiple times this week. Uh, what is going on in your world? Anything you want to promote?
2: Um, no, the only thing I want to promote is actually the Discord. So, uh, as uh, we mentioned on the news show, we do fight predictions. We did some today. I did miserably, but we also do predictions for other sporting events. So we have an NFL prediction pool going on right now, and uh, starting in a little over a week, we're going to have the uh, Olympics. And so we're going to have a de- yeah. So we have a dedicated channel, and we have a lot of uh, server members who are located in all over the world, Australia, Europe, Canada. And so um, they we're going to help out by running polls for all the events. And so you can come join, participate, and uh, vote for who you think is going to win. And at the end, you get bragging rights. And maybe else... Also- you- Sorry, go on.
1: No, this is this is my ender. I, I can't okay. follow this this line. What, what are you going to do with all of the archives for the Olympic polls.
2: I don't know. What am I gonna You're gonna put them
1: in the pole vault.
2: Good night, everybody.
1: Thank you for watching.